Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 322 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Uh, a little overwhelmed. We got a ton, and I do mean a ton of previews uh, this past week, which we're going to need to cover all today. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they uh, they went hard with day one of spoilers. We got so much stuff, and that's going to be one of our big topics. But before we get into that, we have another co-host in Krim. What's up today, Krim? Morning, Seth. I am excited. Strixhaven is finally uh, getting some more spoilers, and this is the set I've been looking forward to the most this year. Yeah, so that's going to be our biggest topic for today. We have Strixhaven spoilers. We have some Commander 2021 spoilers related to Strixhaven. We got a ton of Mythic archives. They've spoiled like 200 cards in the last three days or something. So we got a lot of new stuff to dig through. Going to spend a lot of time on that. Also wanted to mention a little bit. Uh, we had the Keldheim Championship yesterday, which is kind of a new pro tour, essentially. Uh, and there are some interesting things to come out of the tournament. So we wanted to briefly mention Keldheim Championship and and then spend the rest of the cast talking new Strixhaven stuff. But before we get into that, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you have ever tried to buy list your cards, oh my goodness, it is a lot of work. A lot of sorting and shipping and typing. And it's not really a whole lot of fun. Like, you could be playing magic or you could spend hours sorting your cards to sell them. Well, this new service from the folks over at Card Hoarder... If you want to avoid all those hassles, they will take and sort grade and sell your magic cards for you. And once the shipment is processed, you'll get the proceeds minus their fee. And right now you can even get a 10% discount by heading over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And, uh, and let's talk some magic. So real briefly, before we get to spoilers, did either of you watch any of the Keldheim Championship this weekend? I did not. So when I realized okay. there was a championship, uh, which was <laughs> way into the weekend, while I was doing spoilers, uh, I, I did catch bits and parts of it. So I did watch uh, maybe like two, three hours of it, but not the same as I would normally watch, which is like literally the whole thing, 20 plus hours. <laughs> oh, actually, I did watch a match. I was watching Cunho versus LSV. Because oh. Cunio, Andrew Cunio is playing blue black control. That that felt like a crim deck. As soon as I saw what Cunio yeah. was playing, I was like, "Oh man, that's that is exactly a crim deck. Just counter everything, Shark Typhoon <laughs> yeah. eventually to win. That, very very crimmy." And he did well with it too. Yeah, it was a beautiful deck, a, a work of art. Very nice. Yeah, so I watched some of it. I mostly, uh, when I had time, jumped in and watched some of the historic rounds. Uh, standard, kind of typical standard stuff, which isn't bad. Standard, I think, is in a healthy-ish place, but it's just in a place where I've seen it all before. So historic, though, was pretty interesting. I think... <laughs> The most interesting thing to come out of the tournament, though, was not the tournament itself. It was a, a little bit of moto problems or, I guess, arena problems. I'm so used to moto being the client that has issues. Uh, but, yeah, so there was a game in the top eight where Shenhar, Shen, uh, Shahar Shenhar was playing Gregor Kowalski, I think, and arena crashed in the middle of the game, which, okay, that happened. So Wizards, like, we're going to restart the game at the start of game two. The sad thing is uh, Shahar was 
almost guaranteed to win. He was very, very close to sealing it up and winning the match. And then apparently Wizards took and messed up restarting the game somehow and like missideboarded. So once they realized that, they had to start the whole match over from the beginning and uh, Shahar ended up losing. What do you think about... What do you think about that? Remember, this is a pro tour. This is like premium top end competitive magic. Is that acceptable? 100% no. By now, with how, how much like, you know, time the client's been out and everything, I do not think that is acceptable. Uh, we should also have a spectator mode. But <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how you screw up restarting it. And if you did, like, just do it again. Like, I'm super confused, right? Like, if they had the ability to restart from game two, which you should, right? Like, you just need to have someone enter the game, forfeit a match, or forfeit a game, and then you're into game two, right? And then you sideboard like the players previously sideboard, and you're good to go, right? So even the jankiest of restarts can be done. I don't understand why they didn't do it. They're like, I guess we're live on air, and we don't want to spend an extra five minutes, so... Shahar, good job. You get a loss. Like I, I don't, I, I don't understand why they couldn't just take another like five ten minutes and reset up the game again. Yeah, I I don't really understand that either. Uh, and definitely a frustrating way to go out a tur- of a tournament. I imagine, especially a tournament like this. Like if it was an arena opener, or something like yeah, that's not great, but whatever. But this is supposed to be the new version of a pro tour, and boy. I cannot imagine losing like the equivalent of a top eight match in a pro tour to <laughs> to not only like arena crashing, but then I guess just incompetence or like some like human error causing that to have to restart the entire match. So so, yeah, uh, if they're going to keep doing this, I really hope they improve uh, arena just from like seeing people tweet about this and he having people respond to tweets about it it sounds like other games have figured this out it sounds like other big you know esports they have systems in place for if something goes wrong they can pick it up where they left off and you don't just go like oh we're gonna start the entire match over so hopefully wizards uh heads heads that direction before our next pro tour i have a novel idea seth what if they took all the cards and wrote them on little pieces of paper and then shuffled them together and played them. <laughs> what if they just restarted with paper decks? <laughs> like, come on, right? Like, there's some catastrophic problem with Arena. We'll just finish this match in paper or something, right? Like, it, it just sucks that you're about to win, and then there's a client issue, and then you lose. Like, that's that's just heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's frustrating on the ladder. <laughs> like, when you lose the game, you're about to win because Arena crashes. But, boy, I could not imagine with tons of money and pro points and whatnot on the line. So, yeah, so that was a, that was a Caldime Championship. Any other thoughts before we uh, get to our main topic? Demir Rogues, one standard, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yup. So, so, yeah. I, I also don't understand, like, why we're playing standard, like literally like weeks before a new set like no one cares about it it should have just been 100 historic or they should just push this a couple of weeks forward so that it lines up with like strixhaven i guess this is caldime so they should have moved it back all the way to release and then had it on new set release so people would be excited about both portions of the tournament because i think most players are like set they're just like i'll watch historic and then standards whatever so yeah, like I, I watched throughout the weekend the historic rounds, but then I did not even try to watch the top eight just because it was standard. And 
uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the tournament schedule is like. I definitely miss having big tournaments closer to set releases, but uh, maybe maybe in the future we will get back to that point. So anyway, we got more fun things to talk about. We have a million Strixhaven spoilers. Like, I, I don't even know. So many spoilers in the last few days. So uh, we got a pretty big list to get through or to try to get through. So Richard, why don't you walk us through some new Strixhaven cards? All right. So a a recap of what happened last week, since we're probably not going to get through uh, all the cards. So you can find all the cards at mpgpreviews.com. But last week, they revealed uh, all the Mystical Archive cards, all 63 of them. They revealed all 63 Japanese variants, uh, which look amazing. Uh, They revealed the five Commander face cards. So Commander 21 is being released alongside Strixhaven. So they revealed those. We previously had the commands. Uh, We also got the deans from uh, each school. And then uh, it was uh, Boros Day today. So we have a a ton of Boros cards. Uh, Loreholt. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, Is it Loreholt? It is Loreholt. (laughs) Loreholt cards today. Uh, so we're going to go through uh, a smattering of each of these. But uh, first off, Mystical Archives, what do you guys think? I think this is like the greatest thing oh. they've ever made because I want like literally all of yeah. them. And then I want the Japanese ones too. Okay, I don't know what to do. But all of these, this is the uh, first time like every single promo I'm like is a home run. I, I, I feel my like bank account hurting looking at this because I, I know that I, I, I'm going to only be able to get one or the other. Right. So I think I'm going with the Japanese variants on like whichever because like, I want Teferi's Protection, Inquisition of Kozilek. Uh, did, did you see the Tainted Pact Japanese art? That one's super awesome. And of course, like Blue Sun Zenith. Like the, these are these are my four favorites so far, but like there's there's so many. There's like the well, I guess there's Crux of Fate, uh, the Japanese version. Uh, there's some some controversy around, I believe, the English version. Uh, but yes, I am I am huge on the Japanese variants, and more importantly, what this is going to do for historic. So like, there's a lot. That's that's my the main thing I'm excited about. They do look amazing. It's kind of like a little awkward. The Japanese versions, I think there's an argument they're maybe the most beautiful magic cards that have ever been made. Like, they just look so crisp and clean, and the art is amazing. So it's actually a little awkward because the normal versions also look good. But when you see them side by side with the Japanese versions, I think the Japanese versions win essentially every battle if you just compare the cards. So I think I would go towards the Japanese versions, although both of them look really, really sweet. I think my main excitement, though, as Grim said, is... This is going to have a huge impact on Historic. Like, we have Storm cards, and we have, like, some really busted stuff, which I'm actually, like, kind of surprised that we're getting Faithless Ludigs and Storm cards and all these really busted spells in Historic. It's going to be the Wild West when Strixhaven releases, and I am totally down for it. It is going to be super fun to see what Historic is like with all these cards. Yeah, like, I, I am curious what Historic will be, because, like, some of these cards are just, like, absolutely, like busted like you had mentioned and yet at the same time you know it's a good thing swords to plowshares does it's just not allowed <laughs> yeah yeah faithless looting's good grape shot sure that's that's fine but no no swords to plowshares no, no swords and, to plowshares <laughs> i think Grim, i think that's because they gave us a, a divine gambit mystic oh uh, invocation, of right so, right so why do you need I, swords if if you have <laughs> divine gambit <laughs> you know and shock we have shock 
Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they're going to be awesome. And I'm really thankful in paper that they're coming one per pack. I think that's it was so better than old masterpiece style cards that were so hard to find. A uh, little disappointed that the rarity is so high on Arena. It feels like going to be pretty expensive, I think. Whether you have like Primal Command at Mythic and Crux of Fate at Mythic. These are cards that traditionally I wouldn't think of as Mythics and it's going to be painful to probably have to get play sets of them <laughs> on Arena. So that that is a bit of a concern. I wish they had done the rarity a little bit different to make them more accessible on Arena, but still, it's going to be super fun to see what a historic is like with all these cards. Yeah, like like I I actually am very surprised they added Inquisition of Kozilek into this too. I'm just like who plays discard <laughs> yeah. in 2021, Krim? <laughs> I uh, Fatsis has a word for you in historic. <laughs> like oh, oh. people are already upset with Fatsis taking their cards. Now there's even more Inquisition. Like there's the Inquisition card and that's going to just have you know, people are going to have a grand old time. Also, I'm excited for like memory lapse. Like Every card on here is such a hit, <laughs> except for Infuriate. Not you. <laughs> you. You can you can you can stay in the bin pile. <laughs> Memory lapse is brutal. I, I I don't know if people realize how brutal it is. It's like it's essentially like a remand. Like it's very similar to remand. It's not even in modern, but we're gonna get it in historic. And I think that's maybe the most surprising thing is they're putting cards that aren't even in modern into this format and. I don't even know. I, I have no idea what their plan is for managing historic, but I am totally down to like stone rain some people and manatize some oh, yeah. people and like do all this stuff that just was never possible before in historic. We joked about it, but now is it possible that we see blood moon? Because I was thinking the same thing, right? Like we go elvish mystic into stone rain. Y'all, you you have red green, right? Uh, like like you go uh, primal command and like there, there's the annoying LD deck from like modern pretty much, except yeah. for you just don't have blood moon. You yeah, I mean, you can Ponza it seeing up. these cards, it seems possible. We, we, like, we get why, enough why? standard Ponza cards that I think we'll eventually get Ponza <laughs> in historic. Just just actual like, oh, <laughs> OK. What, one more question. Uh, Faithless looting art up or down? Uh, I, I it's really weird. And I and I, at first I was like, it's a little like just jarring. But then I was like, oh, I kind of appreciate this. This yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, he just wants to give you some coffee and take your temperature, I think. Wait, coffee? I thought it was like miso soup. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Wait, we each see what, what we want, Krim. That's what makes the art so good. <laughs> Who, has anybody served you coffee in a bowl, Seth? Because I, I, I don't... Hey, if, if all your coffee mugs are dirty... That, that's an American-sized American cup, okay? That's a latte right there. <laughs> that looks like a bowl. Hold on. The, the, the handle is facing backwards, so you can't see it. So it just looks like... Oh, oh, I'm supposed to know that. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say I, I have, this is awesome. Like this, this is like the character yeah. we need in magic, like that we lament over like the old cards. Remember when they had like weird cards, which are, you didn't Stasis. understand, right? Now we have it Stasis. in modern cards, right? So, you know, over time, one day you'll pine for this faithless looting, right? I, oh, yeah. I, would you take this I, I think it's like a really generic cool art. fantasy art, like from the other sets of magic, right? I would hundred percent take this. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is what the, uh, like the archives are supposed to be right. Like in like weird abstract art, like a, a lot of that. And I, I really uh, like where magic has gone in the recent year or two with where, with its art, right. It's like the secret layers, they've gotten really weird with some of the art. Um, and then of course, you know, the archives are amazing. The Japanese art, it's like, Oh my God. Yes. 
I don't think I've ever seen a bigger reaction about card art, though. Wow, did everyone, everyone was talking about it. I think at least the people who posted about it, a lot of people really didn't, <laughs> didn't like it. I was uh, one of the people that did like it. And I think that that's fine. Like, I don't know. I think if you're an artist, that's what you want. You want people to to feel something when they see your artwork. And even if that is, you know, not necessarily positive, I think that's a win. I think if I was making magic art, I would 100% rather make a faithless suiting that everyone talks about and some people like strongly dislike and other people strongly like than just have some like bland piece that no one even bothers to talk about. So <laughs> I thought it was yeah. uh, was pretty interesting. And I am super scared about faithless suiting and historic. Like out of all these cards, that's a card that I think I, I'm not convinced it's going to remain legal. Like, I think it could be bannably good in historic uh, a few months from now. So we'll have to see. Well, I mean, we'll see because there's still Brainstorm, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just remember Brainstorm is also in the format. Uh, oh, my goodness. We haven't even gotten to the main set yet. We're, we've been going for like 20 minutes. We got to talk new spoiler cards. Richard, let's uh, let's talk some spoilers. All right, let's let's dive into some lore hold cards today. That's that's Boros for you, for you boomers. No lore hold. Uh, <laughs> we, we got elder dragons. There are elder dragons. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Velomachus lore hold five red actually, and white. No, no, no. Let's Seth. Pronounce. Actually, Velomachus. I, I was just working on the spoiler video, and I landed on Velomachus too. Oh, this is so definitely I, wrong. Okay, it must be like Velo. Velobachus. Velomachus. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> uh, five five legendary creature, elder dragon, mythic. I need to uh, clear my throat here. It's a it's a long one. Flying vigilance haste. Whenever Velomachus attacks, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value less than or equal to Velomachus's power from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, so like the, I I mean I don't know how how good this is in standard, but. It is cool to see them finish out the allied dragon cycle or or more of the dragon cycle, the whatever the ones that we didn't get in cons. Second off, this is pretty sweet in commander though, right? Like I, I, I like this card a lot in commander. Yeah, it seems like a really sweet commander card. I too I think I'm skeptical in standard because it has a ton of text and it's obviously powerful, but seven mana is a lot and Boros is not the most rampy color most boros decks want to be kind of like aggro and top out at like showdown of the skulls or something so i'm not sure where it fits in standard but it does seem like a really powerful commander like you can just kind of narset it up i think and try to chain together extra combat step effects with this off the top of your deck if you got pump spells or equipment you can be casting really big things so i think it's going to be a popular commander card standard wise I don't know. Maybe there's some Jeskai control deck that you play it and hit Graven Lore or something and draw some cards. Like maybe there's some way you can use it as a finisher, but it feels can more like a commander it? card. Can we pump it to cast? Uh, what is it? Since we're calling things by what they are today, Rogrin uh, Ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, you could put them all yeah. the Skyclaves on it and go to town. That's a lot of seven drops, by the way. <laughs> so, seven drop tribal. <laughs> Tomer, get on it. <laughs> D- dies to do blade. Does 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 Seven not cast dies to do blade? blade. You can't even get the hidden right. So it's <laughs> well, the nice thing is though, it does have haste. I I like once again that haste is sweet, 
And I mean, maybe a Mardu reanimator deck in historic could work. Uh, I mean, or even better, we still have the Mardu enchantment that you can get a one-one version of it, but then you can only cast a one-one as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, someone, if, if you play this fairly, it's pretty janky, but if you can cheat it into play somehow, which given how we cheat on mana and like reanimation strategies and stuff like that, that's not infeasible. If you get this like early on, yeah. uh, this is a blowout, right? Someone on Twitter mentioned that uh, this is like the perfect Armageddon commander. You just like play this and hit Armageddon and you get to keep your dragon and then and what, what, and then what, what your, your opponent do blades in response and, and then you're like, well, okay, then, then here's a four hour sad. game. <laughs> <laughs> I I like like I mean it's it it is different though, right? Than your usual Boros card. So I do like this a lot. I really like what they've done with uh Lorehold, I mean sorry. With Loreholds uh, like cards this set. It does generate card advantage, so that is even that is pretty unique for a Boros commander. All right, yeah, Bor- uh, you know what it is, Loros, Loros. <laughs> there it is, <laughs> Loros is what I'm calling it now. So everybody's happy. This this is just a really inter- um just interesting design from a Boros perspective. So I, I'm a fan. All right, Sadrix Silver Quill. Silver Quill, the the new Orzov. Three white and a black. It's a two five Elder Dragon. Flying double strike. At the beginning of a combat, on your turn, you may choose two. Each mode must target a different player. Target player creates a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. Target player draws a card and loses one life. Target player puts a plus one plus one counter on each creature they control. Can you even play this in standard? Yeah, this like- is like a this is a commander <laughs> card. Put it like the main set. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? This is just straight up commander, but but you never know. I mean, for some odd reason, it you could immediately get a two one with your two five, if it die if it doesn't die before combat. I mean, there, maybe there's some arguments like certain matchups. Like if you're up against a crim deck, what creatures are you gonna have to put counters on crim? Honestly, yeah. Like so that's kind yeah. of a free roll. Or maybe you're up against Nye Adventures and they've already drawn infinite cards because they have Great Henge and Showdown. Those calls is giving them one more card really a deal breaker if you get to pump your team and like make a flyer or whatever you end up choosing. So, uh, but still, you're giving a good mode to your opponent every turn, which makes me think this is like. Boros group hug or not Boros but Orzov group hug commander essentially or like a Orzov Orzov (laughs) Orzov kind of like political commander which in that role I think it's really sweet I I, I don't know I think this is egregious we're we're literally co-releasing with commander 2021 right like imagine you sit down at whatever the pro tour is pack one pick one you crack open your limited pack you're like Cedric silver quill (laughs) You're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, these, these, like, wh- why? It's like, why? We have a commander set. This is specifically a commander card. Just like throw it in the commander set, right? So. I, I would definitely look around the table to see, wait, are we busting Commander Legends too? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 or, or they, they could have just had a mode that was like somewhat more neutral that you could throw to your opponent. So you only get half of the benefit, but, you know, they don't. They they should make it t- one of the modes. Target player sacks a creature or planeswalker. There it is. Just just give him a two one without I mean, flying. Then- the flying chumps your stupid <laughs> silver quill shadrix, right? Yeah. Like give him a two one with defender or something, right? 
<sighs> yeah, like oddly, all the modes are too good, I think. And that works <laughs> works against the card's power, which is very strange to say, but I think that's uh, that's where it lands. Your only hope is to play against Krim and he has no creatures. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> he's going to like animate hey, his creature have- land and get a counter and that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Ah, my tar pit. You know, I do play. I do play crawling barons, Richard. You are disrespecting my crawling barons. All right. Next up is a card we haven't had in a long time. Actually, Paulo's World Championship card. So the return of the Invitational card. So Paulo's new card, Elite Spellbinder, two and a white. Uh, it's a three-one human cleric with flying. One elite spellbinder enters the battlefield. Look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast this way costs two more to cast. So basically, you just choose a card from their hand and it costs two more to cast, right? And it, it, it they don't get it back, right, after after this card dies. So no. No. I think this card is just really good. Like, I, I, I'm talking like modern play and all that, too. Like this card is really good. It's it's the the white Vendillion click, I think, essentially. Like, yeah, it's more tempo-y. Yeah, you don't get rid of the card forever, but that's really powerful. I think this card can see play back to modern as well. Like, there's already decks that want to get their ether vial up to three. This would fit in naturally in those decks. Uh, you can blink it, which is pretty cool because the card being exiled is not attached to Elite Spellbinder. So if you like play this and then Eldrazi displays or Ephemerate or something, you can just keep taking more cards and have your opponent have a bunch of stuff in exile you can process them like eldrazi taxes style and in standard you just hit a wrath like you play it in white aggro it's right on curve when your opponent would be extinction eventing shadows verdicting and sure they're going to cast it eventually but those two extra turn probably means you just kill your control opponent or your yorian opponent with your beatdown plan because they got to wait those two extra turns to cast it wrath you get saucy though you put drawneth magistrate in they can never cast it Got him. You got him. Got him. Got him. We got the one three on two. I think I needed flash. I mean, if you have a vial, you have flash. What? Without flash, it's kind of man. It's just a three mana three one flying with like. If this had flash, this would be busted. Like absolutely busted. As is Paulo, right? This is Paulo we're talking about. If he enters my game, really- it should be swinging heavily in my favor. I I don't know if you read the article for this card, but they actually said that Flash was the one thing Paulo really pushed for, but didn't get. (laughs) See, even Paulo agrees with me. He needs to be OP. (laughs) It's like, I I guess, I guess it's like Shadow Mage Infiltrator was like, okay. And then Elise Spellbinder's okay. So they put him on the same power level as Finkel. I I think this is, well, Shadow Mage Infiltrator was good, right? Back in its like, you know, standard life. Yeah, but. It's 2021 now. This is this is yeah. This is re- this is still really good without flash. Like you, you have to get the dream scenario of nabbing a wrath on curve. Other than that, like in modern, you play it and they're like, okay, I fatal push for three. Okay, <laughs> right? Like it, it, like the tax isn't that much. So like in a humans deck where you can flash it in, I, I don't you have know. human synergies. But I'm not playing this in abs and mid range. Like it's a three one. It dies to a ren in six, right? <laughs> I mean, sure, but the thing here is that that card is always going to cost two more. This this is I just, just play, I just play Thalia, <laughs> like just play Thalia. You, you have Thalia about this. with this, with this. Um, then it costs three. This card is sweet. All right, I like it. 
Next up, we have more Boros cards. Uh, oh, sorry, Lorehold cards. Venerable Warsinger, <laughs> one red and a white, three three, Spirit Cleric at rare, Vigilance Trample. When Warsinger deals combat damage to a player, you may return target creature with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of damage Warsinger dealt to that player. You ever get worried about like how we make fun of Boros every season and Lore Lorehold? <laughs> and uh, now, now it's like finally coming back. They're like, because this is like card advantage, right? Uh, Warsinger yeah. Lorehold's now getting at like what is it mill graveyard interaction like that that revolves around the graveyard uh and and like pseudo card draw like this seems like the set for lorehold to kind of like actually stop being a meme <laughs> i i don't know if lorehold was ever a meme but boros might be a meme uh, anyway as far as, uh, <laughs> as, far as this card <laughs> as, as far as this card i actually think this is the best standard card we've talked about so far like this card's really good. It's on curve. It's got a like mini Sun Titan ability and it naturally works well with a lot of the cards that you would already want a deck. Like the think of a mono white aggro deck. How do you make this card good? Elsa to Life's Bounty. Sack it, protection, hit you, get it back, just like Loris does in some decks. Like that same synergy. Selfless uh, Savior goes to the graveyard. Maul the Skyclave pumps it, sends it to the air. Uh, there's so many synergies. It feels really easy to have mono white aggro switch towards like boros aggro and for this to be excellent in that deck this card is so pushed like i don't know why it has vigilance trample on top of a reanimation ability at three mana three three so i agree i think y'all forgot about like the good old days of gideon thraven inspector and all that right like white weenie is coming back uh and it's just so strong so it has to be like standard is so unfair that you cannot play like fair like reanimating doesn't matter right but like you play one drop two drop they kill some stuff you play three drop you get it all back you start hitting them it has trample they can't chump uh you pump it you can get bigger stuff back uh this card is really good i'm surprised it's only rare and it just has so many keywords that seem unnecessary did it really need vigilance like really <laughs> yes no no pro- probably not <laughs> yes, <but. it> did. <laughs> But this is Lorehold now. This isn't Boros. This isn't this isn't Grandpa's deck, red white deck. This is 2021's red white deck. All right. Speaking of cards that can't go wrong in any way, we have Efreet Flame Painter, three and a red. It's a rare four CMC. It's a one four double strike. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put in your graveyard exiled it instead this card's like not great right it's a free spell no no conditions aside from hitting someone it's it's sweet it is super sweet and when you construct the dream scenarios of this card oh they are amazing like oh i like an ultimatum faithless looting my ultimatum and cast two of them on turn four and it's the greatest thing ever like whatever like the the best case scenario this is really good the thing is have you ever heard of Warren Instigator? Do you remember when when Warren Instigator came out and everyone's like, oh, my God, Goblin Lackey would double strike. It's only one more mana. And that card is stone unplayable. It's stone unplayable. And it's plus one mana. This is four mana. It looks like double Dreadhorn Arcanist. But you actually got to hit your opponent. You got to be able to hit your opponent with this one power creature. So all your opponent has to do is play a removal spell or think about this, a creature 
And then all of a sudden Whoa. your plans fall apart. They just got you. So I think this will be a great against odds card, but I have a hard time imagining it's going to be like a tournament playable card. Yeah, this card seems like mega bad to me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm too casual now. There, there's got to be some deck you can construct where... You just make it unblockable with protection, right? And then you just chuck like two ultimatums and it's like a turn four win, right? With a, It's a combo, right? Where you somehow pull that all off. So standard. Are we talking standard? Maybe, maybe like, a little yeah, hard. Historic. Historic you can do. You have Faithless Looting now. I You're mean, all the way there, <laughs> right? Why would I reanimate this and not like Ulamog? Right? Like, I, I like... Cause like that's the only way you could cheat it out earlier, and and then I guess you cheat it out, and then you play the five mana haste reanimation spell in historic connect, cast that spell again. <laughs> I mean, this, oh, it seems legit in commander. Like when you have three opponents, you can attack. It feels like you can probably get through somewhere. Plus, you have like lots more ways to make it unblockable. I just feel like it's so much work in standard. <sighs> like yeah, or why even not, if why, you have a trap card, spell? but. Live the dream. <laughs> Cast two ultimatums <laughs> off of it. Uh, oh, yeah. No, like, once again, like, that sounds great if you can set up that scenario. But, like, it does just seem kind of bad. Oh, in I'm, think, I'm thinking Boomer Magic where we can get to four mana and, like, still play cards that don't immediately win. <laughs> really? <laughs> it doesn't have haste. If it had haste, then okay, sure. We, Maybe. We can give it haste where it... <laughs> Lorehold has many no, cards. Without, <laughs> without, without actually having to give it haste, it should just naturally come with haste. Uh, well, next up, we have Strict Proctor. One in a white. It's a 1-3 spirit cleric flying. Whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability or trigger, or to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two. <laughs> this card's pretty cool. I was hoping we wouldn't talk about this one. Wizards. <laughs> this is like the hard counter to Panormonicon. Like, this is exactly my nightmare. Too. This card is so good. This, yeah, this card's pretty good. And it's two mana. I love it. And it's a 1-3, so it doesn't just get stomped or anything like that. Like, or, or shocked. And this, this, this card is very, very sweet. I think this is the yeah, most modern playable card we've seen so far, right? This yeah. card should have flash. Like... <laughs> yeah, and you just vial it in, right? You play spirits or something, I don't know, right? Uh, and then they're like, Valakit. You're like, huh? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if you want to, like, if you spirits, if you play spirits with this, does it not just like dunk on your own, uh, like spell quality uh, and stuff I, like that, too? Mm, I guess it dunks on your I stuff, too. I think maybe too. a taxes, taxes deck, maybe something. Yeah, yeah like okay, that, okay, maybe. okay. You're going to have to put it in the taxes deck. But there's so many things. Unless you want to just like, you can, like, BM and, like, flex, like, haha, I don't even care. I'll pay for the two on my own stuff. <laughs> well, and you can use it beneficially, like Lotus Field or something, with the negative mm. ETB trigger. You play this, yeah. then you Lotus Field, and you're just like, ah, I will not pay the two. <laughs> and then it gets Guess countered. Guess it got countered. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. My lands get to stay on the battlefield. Wait, so, wait. Is, <laughs> is this card actually good? Do people play Hushbringer or anything? <laughs> is this just, like, the same card? People play well, Hushbringer is a one-two, and well, people played that. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference is this hits any permanent, which uh, like Hushbringer only hits creatures. Oh, that's this right, is that's the first right. version of this that hits any permanent. So the Valica thing or whatever <laughs> wouldn't work with Hushbringer. Wait, so this like just hard dunks on like sagas, right? Uh, I think you they'll to still pay. get their second the, lore counter, right? Yeah, they'll or still like, get the second. The next turn they'll get the first lore counter or whatever. It delays yeah. them by a turn unless they pay two. Ah. 
but I feel like that's pretty major in some spots, right? Yeah, one extra turn is is pretty relevant. Uh, yeah, I think this card's actually really good. Wait, yeah, you just play, you just like play really your yeah. like broken lands that have ETBs, and you beneficially help yourself. Hmm. This, I can only think of Lotus Field. I mean, that's like good enough for me, thing. right? That's the <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that's right, a pretty right, good. That's a pretty good upside. And you just play it in like a green white hate bears deck or whatever, right? Also, that Although, is Stomp, which is like super relevant for standard compared to Hushbringer, yeah. which like that is that is a pretty big deal. So it's like Pants is a good amount of Yorion until they get to like seven mana. Then you're like, well, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> but if they're at seven mana, you're probably dead. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, we have Torrent Sculptor. Uh, it's an MDFC, so hold on. Uh, two blue, blue. It's a two, two Merfolk Wizard rare. It has Ward two. So when it becomes a target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls, counter it unless they pay two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Put a number of plus one plus one counters on Torrent Sculptor equal to half that card's mana value. Round up. Backside. Flamethrower Sonata. One and a red. It's a sorcery. Discard a card, then draw a card. When you discard an instant or sorcery, flame. Thrower Sonata deals damage equal to that card's mana value to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. This card's really good, right? I I I think this card's really good. What? Just yeah. because like the, the front half, right? Sure, it's just it, it could be a threat if you need in the late game, but it's versatile enough because the back half can be removal early, and I don't know, it's just a an all around good card for an MDFC. I mean, it is versatile. I feel like both halves are pretty mad to me like the front half it only gets half the counters of the mana value of the card which means round it up like even if it's an ultimatum where you're gonna get a six six for four like hooray we're in a world of like questing beasts and stuff like that doesn't really <laughs> that doesn't really excite but me <laughs> in a control deck right because there's gonna be a ton of like you know what i mean like in a bunch of instant sorcery filled deck this is just a threat if you need it to be right Sort, I mean, sort it's of a like threat. removal. Half, half a it's <laughs> conditional <laughs> removal it, it, with like slightly upgraded Snapcaster beats on the backside, right? Like it, it does something, right? but it's not like super exciting, right? Like it'll be like a four-four. Well, Can you close the game with a four-four? Maybe, right? But you've you've closed a game with a two-one before. <laughs> so but like the point the is, if you're is, at that point, you could have closed with literally anything, <laughs> right? But that, but this is. For like standard, this is exactly that, right? Yeah. It could be that two one beater, or it could be the removal early, like you know, discard. Like, what, is it a rummage effect? Yeah, this is a rummage effect. Uh, yeah. So like, I I I like this. I, I think this card is pretty good. I feel like it looks really bad compared to Bone Crusher, which Bone Crusher you get both modes and you get a bigger body and it costs less mana. <laughs> but I mean, compared to compared to Eldrain, every set of magic is bad. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I don't think it's so. like stone unplayable. The re- if you're playing a deck with a bunch of spells, the removal half is fine. Brummaging is fine. We do have a lot of spells matter stuff thanks to Magecraft, which I think is kind of like sneaky. This is a way you can like have a creature in your Magecraft deck, but still keep your spell count high, which seems pretty powerful. So I don't think it's like bad, but I, I don't view this as like a staple. I don't know. Do you think, let's say you're building Jeskai Control and Standard Crib. Is this something you're like, boom, four of these, let's go? Or is it like, eh, maybe I'll try a copy and see what happens? I could see me playing like three, three copies. Okay. 
Uh, like this, this, once again, a lot of the MDFCs, right? Like, like we, we play a good amount of them. All of them aren't flashy. They're all slightly overcosted. Like, you know, they, they seem kind of just like, oh, well, they're not that great, but they're not awful. And I think this is just like in the typical fashion of like the MDFCs so far. They're, they're good. Uh, they're versatile. Their, their cost is like, a, eh, but they're, they're not that bad. And like, I, I think this will see play. I think this card will see play. So in a control deck. This or Bone Crusher Giant? Uh, well, you know, I think that the fact that a Bone Crusher Giant is still just such a powerful card, but like that's, you know, once again, that's Eldrain. That is Eldrain. But, like, I mean, to, I mean, to but that's our standard, right? To, like, would you put this well, in or or both? Maybe do you have eight slots for I these do, cards? I do like this, but only because the ability to also discard and draw a card is pretty sweet. Uh, that could help me, you know, and it, and on top of that, discarding and drawing a card uh, removes potentially a creature or planeswalker. I, I dig it. I, I I think I would play this. I think I would play this genuinely. I mean, you probably just play all MDFCs and adventures now. Just every card is two <laughs> cards. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're pretty close to that point. You just have a textbook of a deck. <laughs> <laughs> all right That's next on, up on flavor we have a mechanic we haven't talked about which is uh learn so this comes on professor of symbology one in a white it's a two one uncommon core cleric when it enters a battlefield uh learn and learn is you may reveal a lesson card you own from outside the game put it in your hand or discard a card to draw a card and uh the best the best lesson we could find is illuminate history two red red it's a rare lesson discard any number of cards then draw that many number of cards if there are seven or more cards in your graveyard create a three two red and white spirit creature token uh this i i, I think like these lessons and all that are going to be an absolute all-star in like the you know best of one format and stuff like that because being able to just you know once again more more wish boards and stuff like that while not necessarily having to sideboard is pretty fun uh, so I like that the lessons so far, I mean, I'm not really sure how powerful they'll be, but I think I like them. Uh, I, I like the red one, at least. I don't know if I like any of the other ones revealed, but I, I like the one that we had just mentioned. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think these, these lessons could just be really versatile if you're, if you already don't have a sideboard. I don't know about best of three when I'm going to have to cut like, I, I definitely don't think I'll be doing anything with a lesson in modern unless there's something really good. But yeah, like cutting a sideboard slot. We've already cut one for like a companion. So it has to be somewhat on that level. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I come down on these. I feel like this is a great mechanic for limited. I think it's going to be really fun and limited. And I think it's a really strong mechanic for best of one. Best of one, your sideboard's just kind of a dead zone. Like, unless you're playing cards like this to take advantage of it and being able to have access to any amount of value from your sideboard in a format with uh, that's best of one and you don't actually use your sideboard, that seems really powerful. So I would not be surprised to see learns and lessons being great in best of one, fun and limited. Based on the ones we've seen so far, I'm pretty skeptical of best in, uh, of three and very skeptical for any non-standard formats. Like, they just don't do enough. Sure, technically, your, your two-drop or uh, I forget the name of it, whatever the professor was, like, it draws a card when you come into play, but it's drawing a pretty underpowered card. Is it really worth it to give up a sideboard slot for that? 
I'm just, I'm not convinced. So we'll see. It's still early. If we get some really busted uh, learns or lessons, then obviously all bets are off and they could see play. But I'm looking at this as purely a best of one and limited mechanic personally. What about a learn counter spell? Would that be too strong? I mean, I guess it depends on how much it costs. If it was like five mana or something. Let's say, or... let's say just two, like three mana. Yes. I mean, all the cards have been overcosted so far. Yeah. Everything has had like well, at least well, yeah. mana three mana. Or two why would three mana counter spell be overpowered? Well, it's just on curve for a standard counter spell. Yeah. That's already the baseline. But, and all these cards are like plus one to plus two mana over the baseline price because you get to tutor them up. But so, so Professor Symbology is just a two mana two one that draws the card ETB, right? Which. Oh, right. no. You want the counter spell. Oh, you want Wait. the counter spell to be the the learn card or the one you tutor up? Uh, like the the learn card, like the lesson. Oh, right? oh you the mean like counter spell and then learn? No, 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 no. no you no, mean no. like, like symbology like, grab, and then grab a counter yeah, spell? Yeah, grab a counter spell. I, I, not not a counter spell that also does a learn ability. Because now that would be amazing. <laughs> I think it could be like, like any standard it. playable counter spell would be fine. And then you, this but why is just, are all the other ones overcosted though? I, I don't know. But there, it's just a two mana two one that draws a card, right? Like, is that really bad? Like, that's not. You, you could I feel you, like it's like got to be a two. You could have drawn the two mana two one that draws right? a bad card. <laughs> no, it could be like Spellfish Visionary, right? Like, you could go, you can go and grab a a random spell instead of a random draw of like off off of its ETB, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. This this card is going to be, I think, pretty sweet if you can legitimately find a good lesson. So far, we just have not seen good lessons though. Like like those lessons need to be a four of in your sideboard, right? Because otherwise, let's say you only have one after you play the first professor symbology, what are you going to do, right? Like you need enough lessons to, oh, to cover. We're back down to the two one beat. <laughs> it's literal. It's like the, the snapcaster with the empty with the rest in peace in play just for the for the beats yeah. except it doesn't even have flash so it's not that good also this is super awkward because again this is paired with commander 2021 and you don't have a sideboard in commander to wish from so you can't play these in your commander deck like why why is this mechanic no. in this set right could they put it in another but you set? can discard and draw yeah that uh, yeah, it's it's very weird, yeah. the focus on Commander and how it goes, because the same thing is kind of true for a lot of the professors, where a lot of them relate, one side relates to the other side, so you really want one of each on the battlefield, but if you played as your Commander, you can only have one on the battlefield, unless you go through some really massive hoops of, like, cloning it and then killing it and then recasting the other side, so kind of weird how this set works with Commander, but then other cards are like... This is only playable in Commander, but it's also in the main set, so strange. All right. Next up, we have our first ever MDFC Planeswalker, Rowan Scholar yeah. of Sparks slash Will Scholar of Frost. Uh, so Rowan is two in a red, two starting loyalty. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less. Uh, plus one, Rowan deals... One damage to each opponent. If you've drawn three or more cards this turn, she deals three damage to each opponent instead. Minus four, you get an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay two. If you do uh, copy that spell, you may choose new targets. Uh, okay, backside. Will, Scholar of Frost. <laughs> four to blue. Legendary Planeswalker Will. Four starting loyalty. Instance of Sorceries, cast, uh, you cast, costs one less. So same passive 
as the other side. Uh, plus one, up to one target creature has base power and toughness zero two until your next turn. Minus three, draw two cards. Minus seven, exile up to five target permanents. For each permanent exile this way, its controller creates a four four blue and red elemental creature token. So do you still uh, remember I what the card does after I finish reading it all? <laughs> I, I for me all the immortal abilities are cool. I guess I I kind of remember them, but but I'm talking about that passive. That passive seems sweet, right? Like like Rowan coming down on three, making my spells cost one less. We just got grape shot and all this other stuff into historic. So this is like currently your brawl until they show me a goblin electromancer. Uh, but but yeah, like I I I think this card is uh it's pretty. It's it's like perf. It's very niche, right? It has to be in a specific deck, uh, and specifically a, a storm or a magecraft deck or something like that. Uh, I, I also got to support Will because I love frost mages or frost wizards, whatever you want to call them. And and so this seems like a fun card in the right storm deck or a spells matter deck. Yeah, I I think the static is a big payoff. I think for me, the static ability, we've seen it be really good. Like you said, Brawl, Electromancer, those are kind of staple cards in Modern Storm. And while being extra mana is a bit of a drawback, dodging creature removal is nice. So I could see some sort of historic Storm deck taking advantage of it. The other payoff, I think, is just trying to rush Rowan's ultimate. Like the the Mirari type ability where you get to clone your spells for two mana as an emblem that's basically impossible to deal with. If you can play this on three and just plus plus ultimate, that actually seems really powerful in a lot of decks too. Downside is Rowan doesn't defend herself uh, like at all and will, I don't know. Uh, none of the abilities on Will really excite me. Like, drawing two cards is nice, but it's five mana, and then it goes down to one loyalty. Uh, so, I don't know. I think you play for the static ability, primarily. It's a three-mana uh, enchantment. Well, I mean, the, the, the instance and sorceries cost one less. Like, these are, like, Rowan has no ability. You're pinging for one, so you're really just trying to race the ultimate, right? And then Will, that's a lot of mana for, like, a divination and some temporary removal, but, right? But it is a MDFC once again. I think we're we're kind of forgetting that part where it's it can be either or, and I like that. It could be a three mana planeswalker, or it could be a five. It, it, of course, it's a little underpowered for a, what the typical five walker is. But I think the fact that it's modal makes it big. You know what we need? We need cycling on them. So you can be like, do I want okay. this card? Do I want the other card? Or do I want a random card in my deck? <laughs> like so <Yeah>. many choices. <laughs> If, soon we're getting there right i mean like that like every card will have so much versatility that i'd like oh my gosh however you put this in a t or a, a ketria deck sorry not not team or my bad ketria uh you can have the new kazmina and rowan can immediately plus two Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now we're cooking <laughs> oh yeah i i i don't know i feel like I was really hyped for MDFCs when they came attached to lands because they're kind of free rolly. This is still a card in your deck. And I don't either half is outside of like storm scenarios and stuff. It's really hard for me to imagine just like playing this as a value planeswalker in, in like a random oh, yeah, deck. So I not. think you got to be like you said, I think you got to be in a specific archetype that can really embrace the static abilities. And then and then I think it could be good. I mean, yeah, the static ability is the big thing here, as, as you can tell, because it's on both sides. So this is very much so a niche planeswalker. 
All right. Next up, we have Valentin, Dean of the Vein. A single black, one CMC, one one. It's an MDFC, by the way. Legendary creature, vampire warlock coming in at rare. Menace lifelink. If a non-token creature and opponent controls would die, exile it instead. When you do, you may pay two. If you do, create a one one black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. Backside is Lisette, Dean of the Root, two green green, four four, legendary creature, human druid. Whenever you gain life, you may pay one. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, and those creatures gain trample until end of turn. Even the tokens have a lot of text. I love this. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I think the front side of this card is actually really good. Uh, the back side, I, I, I'm not really sure yet, but I, I do think that the front side is very sweet. Yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about this for. Just as like a, a hate card, essentially, kind of uh, shutting down Cauldron Familiar, shutting down Blood Artists, things like that. On a one mana body, which comes down on turn one and has Menace and Lifelink for some reason, and you can like collect your company into it or Court of Calling into it. So that's what I'm mostly looking at. Like, I kind of almost view this as a mono black card. I imagine the decks I would play this in, some of them might not even have the the mana to cast the back half of it. But I think the front half has a lot of potential. What is a pest creature token? Why is it not an insect? It's <laughs> a good question. Hmm. I, I it has it has to matter. Probably. Like right, we 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 have to assume that there's a use for a pest token somewhere down the line. I, maybe I think I think pests have that ability. The the when they die gain one life because I believe we have one other card and pests are the same thing. So the only pest I know uh, is signal okay. pest. <laughs> is there are there actually <laughs> any other <laughs> pest cards? Wait, can can pest tribal finally exist? This is it. <laughs> this is the key card, and it's in your command zone. Richard, you love jank command, like janky. I just like need tribes. I just need you guys to play a ton of creatures, and I need to have <laughs> a wrath. <laughs> well, and also uh, cabal coffers and orborg on the battlefield, <laughs> and then I can make like five pests. I got it. <laughs> and then when you kill the one pest lord you have in signal pest, it's over. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good pest lord signal pest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, we have uh, Rip Apart. Uh, lore Hold colors. Uh, red and white. Nice. So two CMC sorcery. Oh, this is a sorcery? Oh, oh, no. I read it wrong the first time. Choose one. Rip Apart deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker or destroy target artifact or enchantment. Uh, the artwork is brutal. Kind of looks like Ultron getting ripped apart. Uh, I think the card is... Pretty sweet. I mean, deals three damage to a creature or planeswalker, not the face. If this could hit anything, any target, I think this card would be absolutely amazing. But because it's sorcery and only hits creature or planeswalker, I think it's just an, a, a good card. It's nothing too wild. It's just good. I really like this as a. I like this for two reasons. In standard, I like it because. It's a fine removal spell that can deal with most early game creatures, but then also incidentally lets you blow up a Shark Typhoon or a Great Hand or an Ember Cleave with the second mode. So I think that flexibility is key. The other place I like it a lot is in Modern, where this just hits all the marks for a sideboard card. Like, picture what a braid does. This isn't a braid. Yeah, they can hit a planeswalker if you need to, which is sometimes relevant and can blow up an enchantment. So it's like a, a wear tear slash a braid. My only concern is it is a sorcery. That is a big drawback compared to being an instant. But 
I still think this could have a lot of potential in sideboards in older formats just because it gives you an uh, answer to aggro creatures, answer to artifact, answer to enchantment. That's a lot of things you want in your sideboard all in one sideboard slot. But who plays yeah. I, I like this for modern, but... In modern. Exactly. And you, Jeskai... You have Assassin's Trophy and Abrupt Decay, which kind of do the same thing. Kind of, but at instant but the, speed and... I guess depends. But those are in Golgari colors, though, right? That that's the thing. So, like for Boros, like a burn deck can. But play burn this. would never play this because it doesn't. It doesn't kill the other player, right? And they already have so many like smash your smithereens and things like that. They could be playing for their hate cards. Yeah, like burn is the only thing. Boros player, right? Like no, like I guess if you play Jeskai Control or something, but when you just play Wear Tear or something, like would you really? I think this is. I would say this is better this is than better, Wear Tear. Right? I mean, but sorcery speed. Yeah. Sorcery speed. I, think I guess you can the, Snapcaster it. The the other home that I think is pretty obvious is in uh, Nivdex, five-color Nivdex, mm, in basically yeah. every format. Uh, that's a lot of flexibility, and I could see it be main deck in Nivdex. Yeah, I would play this in, like, the Niv to Light, you know, historic or modern versions, or pioneer versions, sorry. Yeah. It, it is a promo pack card, so Wizards thinks it's good. So we'll see well, where it ends up. We, we just got a I mean, divine the last gambit. One was growth spiral, right? <laughs> we just got a divine gambit as a mystic archive. So I, I don't know how much weight to put in that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting that card exists. <laughs> Wizards keeps reminding me. I keep trying, but they keep throwing it back in front of my face. <laughs> but have you tried? <laughs> Try it. It's divine fine. Gambit. We promise you're not going to die to an Ugin if you kill their two drop. <laughs> Ooh. There's a new lesson. Is this any good? Uh, reduced to memory. One white, white, uncommon. Exile target, not land permanent. It control Its controller creates a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. That's pretty good. That, for that That's actually a sideboardable card, seen. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's something I could see already playing in my sideboard. And then if you have a lesson, it's all upside. So I think that's the best one we've seen so far. That one actually makes me yeah, a little like, excited for lessons. That has to keep, like, also a lot of these lessons are sorcery speed, and that's making me big sad, but, like, why aren't they instant? Yeah. They'd be too good. I don't know. Also, <laughs> I mean, we just we just committed a card in the deck for, you know, like, <laughs> I feel like these should, some of these should be instant, which is why I think that there won't be a counterspell one, but, like, whatever. And you can even use <laughs> it on your own stuff. Boy, this makes Divine Gambit look even worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's all the time we have for previews today. There are still a ton of cards, so check them out on the site. And of course, we'll be talking about them next week as well. Uh, and uh, since we're running long, we're just going to hold off on fish mail. Uh, you can still send them into MPG Fish Mail on Twitter, and we'll get to them when uh, wait, wait, preview didn't we hype. push it off last week? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the week before that, we should we should do no, one. We I should just we do did. one. I think just, we pushed it off on the Commander Clash last time, didn't we? Oh, we we've never done yeah. fish mail on Commander Clash podcast, even though we keep. <laughs> we yeah, like so we should do one. Okay, I'll 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 do one real quick. Okay, but no wizards the and they're no. pacing on previews. Uh, okay, okay, okay. We talked roughly about this, but let's actually talk about it. So, Moosley MTG, since most of the playable Mystical Archive cards have been upshifted to Rare or Mythic, Historic will become a pay-to-win format even more. Now you need like over 100 Rare slash Mythic wild cards plus regular set to keep up. 
you've always needed a hundred rares just to keep up, right? We're already behind. And even as content creators, I think we're still behind. Wizards yeah, just doesn't but, want historic to be cheap. Like remember when they tried yeah, to have so, double wild cards, like literally double wild yeah. cards, and we had to throw a big <laughs> a big fifth to get this them to change a, it? Yeah. Like they've done that. They've essentially done that, right? I mean, they've made everything now just rare and mythic, just without telling you. They've kind of already made it everything is double like wild card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I just really don't think they want Historic to be super popular. They want people to play Standard on Arena, and if you are going to play Historic, they are going to get their money out of you and make you pay for the privilege. So, while it's, I would like to see Historic be cheaper and more accessible, it does not surprise me at all that these are priced as expensively as possible for uh, for Arena. Do you think this is the norm? Where... They're like, it's a special promo version, so it's expensive, right? And then that's how we get cards into Historic. Because it's also the first yeah, they time they did this, singles. right? Yeah, they, I mean, basically, <laughs> it's like Historic Anthologies, but all the cards are uh, special art. So hence, they need to be upped in rarity. And now your deck is literally all rares and mythics, right? Well, I mean, like Brainstorm is a rare, right? Like, the only, so, I mean, The only thing I'd say is I think next time we see these cards, they'll be normal rarity. So my guess is kind of like when you, you know, pay full price for a card style and then it goes on sale for 75% off like two months later. And you're like, oh, geez, why did I do that? My expectation is you're going to get your rare Faithless Lootings or whatever. And then six months from now, there'll be Jumpstart 2 and it'll have common Faithless Looting. And you're gonna be like, oh, my wizards. How why did I play give you a rare your, wild card? How are you going to play your historic deck in the six months in between right like yeah you just gotta you gotta pay the price a lot (laughs) lose a lot like a lot of these are going to be staples like these these are definitely going to be staples in the if there's good news you do get one in each pack so that maybe you can get lucky and open the ones you need does this apply to digital packs like I, i will open it ah Hmm. I'm surprised there's not more outrage what, on what this. Place does Isn't it this literally like the Walking Dead thing where there's a new card in the format and the only way to buy it is this like premium type card and eventually you, you can reprint it, but that eventually is like unknown. And so you have to pay the expensive price. Like, well, I think this is because it's a digital thing, right? Like this isn't, we're talking about a re- like we're talking about historic, yeah. right? Because yeah, for historic, I think that's the difference that. You're not allowed to play historic if you don't have tons of money. Is that is that that what we're saying? Like, (laughs) no, no, that's what it that's what it reads as though. I mean, like, space was looting at rare. Like, are you kidding me? Like, where's hmm. the thing is they? Hmm. Oh no, it's completely awful. Like, I I I know this, and you know, we all know that this is going to be extremely pricey, and I hate it. But at the same time, like, I'm not really surprised. I guess the thing is they could have made all the Mystic Archives commons on commons rares like if they wanted to and distribute them the same exact way so paper absolutely no difference limited absolutely no difference so it to me it seems very intentional that they would have the rarity be what they what they chose to have it be and the only reason i can think of it is it's like well we want to have you pay literally double wild cards you managed to talk us out of that but we're gonna get our money out of you historic players one way or another so I don't know. Maybe that's too tinfoil hatty, but to me, it seems like intentionally expensive for historic. Yeah. Or maybe Wizards is nice. And like next month, they'll release Historic Anthologies 5, where it's basically Mystical Archive, but at the right rarities. Huh? 
Yeah, no, no. Be I don't think they're us. dropping sixty-three cards. <laughs> <No. laughs> as a, as an active, I'm like rare manatee, rare lightning helix. Come on, come on. To think though, divine gambit. You know, just un- uncommon. <laughs> it's such a good card. All right. Uh, so yeah, so fish meal will return, uh, next week, maybe a week after. Uh, but usually we cover most of the, <laughs> most of the cards, the things people are talking about, like faithless looting and like lessons and things like that we cover. So even though we don't officially cover fish meal, we do cover a lot of the topics people are asking about. So yeah, send them to at MTG Wolfish with the hashtag MTG fish meal, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 322 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk more Strixhaven and whatever else goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.